Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, we take on a couple of villains to sort out whether bad stuff is also illegal stuff. George Santos won a seat in Congress by lying to voters, but is that a crime? And Kanye West made it clear he hates Jews. In England, he'd go to jail for that. Here in America, did he commit a hate crime? Listen to Too Many Lawyers on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Gangsters, what's up, guys? John Anik and Kenny Florian. Oh, my God! Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. Oh, is it good to be back with you, although my ears are blowing out. I hope yours are better on that end. I mean, Skype is going crazy today. They changed everything up on us. I can hear you perfectly. Oh, it's too loud, huh? My, My left ear is done done but we'll go right here for the rest of this show because left one just got completely sucked out well hope it was worth the wait it is tuesday august 21st 2018 episode 167 of the anakin florian podcast ken flo has been a busy man ladies and gentlemen crossing the united states every which way uh good to be back in socal kid or what with a baby by the way and so much luggage, so much stuff. You know, when you travel with a baby, you got to bring all this stuff. A car seat, which was, like, bigger than me. I had to, like, lug it on my huh. back and then put it into luggage and then take a taxi. It was, uh, it was all over the place, man. A lot of luggage. But uh, it was a great trip. We got to see family on, on both sides, my wife's and, and mine. And um, did a little work in New York City for uh, a grappling organization that I'm a part of, Kasai. Uh, some great matches in New York City. And then uh, back home last night, I got in probably close to close to 1 a.m. It's a little tired. And right to the, right to the studio for the That's Anakin right. Florian podcast. We appreciate the commitment. In terms of uh, your daughter on the on the airplane, how, how did that go? I mean, that's a full five and a half, six hours. It, it was six and a half on the way back because yeah, we had to oh, go yeah. through Canada and avoid weather. Uh, she was a trooper, man. She, was, she handled it better than I did. All the flights we took, what, like four? Uh, two flights to get to South Carolina, another flight to Boston, and then we took the train from Boston to New York oh. City, and then another that oh. six and a half hour flight back. 
and she was amazing. I, I she is an angel baby. I can't believe it. Well, you picked a good time to travel with her because yeah. I can tell you my twin brother just came back from L.A. with an 18-month-old mm. and caution flammable. Yeah. Do not bring one-and-a-half-year-olds on airplanes. All they want That's to right. do is walk up and down the aisle for six hours. <laughs> I know. I'm actually going to Connecticut for Thanksgiving to visit my wife's family, three kids on an airplane for me for the Oof. first time. Not Oof. looking forward to that. They had rather snakes on a plane than be on the <laughs> plane with three kids and be the father. Seriously. But, uh, We'll see how it goes. At least it's not across the country. Well, it's good to see you. And sorry we missed last week. We had conflicts on both yeah, ends, man. but we are back. And, and hopefully the audio sounds pretty good to you guys here today. Uh, the Ultimate Fighter Season 1 reunion. Okay? Not enough was made of this. Picture was very average, I think, of all of you guys. <laughs> but if you don't know, Ken Flo and most of the Ultimate Fighter Season 1 cast circa April 2000. 2005, that first season, by the way, they all reconvened in Las Vegas. Um, not sure how willing a participant Ken Flo was, but ladies and gentlemen, he showed up, <laughs> which can't be said about some others. I, so I have a, a few questions about the Ultimate yes. Fighter season one reunion. Who was it great to see? Give me one name, one or two. Who was it great to see? Uh, Forrest Griffin. Forrest Griffin. I mean, I yeah, see him see? here and there, but I, lo I love seeing yeah, Forrest, right. man. And uh, yeah, Alex Kara, Alexis, Josh Raffer. I mean, this, it was good to see everybody. Bobby Southworth. There's so many good, uh, guys that are good to see. But, um, you know, I think we only missed three guys, three people who weren't yeah. able to make it for whatever reason. Uh, but, uh, man, it was it, it was an awesome time and, and uh, good to see everybody and, and catch up. And, uh, you know, it kind of hits home. that I mean, it feels like it was a lifetime ago, but it kind of hits home yeah. of, of, like, what we were doing at the time and how much – the sport has changed since Ultimate Fighter oh. One, and uh, yeah, and we had a great meal. Uh, we had a great meal at, at uh, the Fertitas restaurant at the Palms, the steak restaurant. Scotch, nice Scotch eighty, I think, or whatever. It is. It's yeah. absolutely gorgeous, amazing art in there. Food was fantastic, um, and, and we had a blast. That's great, man. Yeah. And that's somebody else's dime too. Kemplo's not paying that's for right. that. Folks. I forgot about so that trip. It? I had to go. I was in South Carolina. I had to go back to Vegas and back to South that's Carolina. That's what I'm that, saying. That was my I'm... hesitation. I was with family, but uh, I made it, man. That's what I'm saying. You're going yeah. back and forth. So who yeah. who was it not great to see at this reunion? <laughs> who did you not like? Who ah? Uh... No, you don't have to answer that question. Yeah. Who did you spend the least amount of time talking to? Because that'll give us our answer as right. to who you didn't chop it up. No, you don't have to answer oh, that question. Danix, uh, put me on the spot. Well, My go. goodness. Oh, dang, this is just kid. show prep, ladies and gentlemen. Dang. This is just show prep. I got South Carolina vacation written down here. I got BJJ commentary. We already covered that. I got daughter on the airplane. Certainly covered that. Oh, um, so let's get into a few UFC items before we get to Ray Longo. And I want to lead with Tony Ferguson because I don't know that people have lost sight of what he accomplished before he went away, but he won 10 consecutive fights at 155 pounds in the modern era before any man ever did that. Okay, a 10-fight winning streak in the UFC at 155 pounds, the prime division. He has been cleared to fight. He has hinted at a return at UFC 229. He said no opponent yet or something to those words, but perhaps he's there as a backup in case something were to happen to mm. Khabib Nurmagomedov or Conor McGregor. Either way, El Kukui is back in the news, and 
don't forget about what this man accomplished, folks, because pretty heavy stuff, and obviously he still brings that 10-fight winning streak with him uh, when he does return to the Octagon, hopefully later this year. Listen, I think what you mentioned makes a, a heck of a lot of sense to have him on the back burner in case something happens to either Habib or Connor. Um, we can't forget what he did. Absolutely, I, I agree with you. You know, you look at what he did. As impressive as Habib Nurmagomedov ha has been, obviously running undefeated uh, for so long, um, I still think the run-up. And you look at Ferguson. What is he nine and zero, something like that, in his last nine fights? But um, ten and zero, ten and zero. Sorry, ten consecutive wins. Um, I think his ten consecutive wins are more impressive than Habib's and, and the way that he did it. This is a guy who is, um, you know, might not be mistake-free, but he goes out there and finishes fights and delivers action every single time out. So, uh, yeah, I'm really curious to see what Ferguson uh, is going to do. It seems like he's moving like he normally does, and he's doing, you know, these psychopathic training methods. I mean, he's up bouncing on a ball and juggling. Yeah. I don't know what the hell he's doing, but his knee is apparently fine. He He's back training, got the clearance from the doctor, I think, as well. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to see Tony back in action, man. And, uh, again, just unlucky with what's happening <laughs> between him and Habib. Four times they try to make that fight. Um, it, yeah. it didn't happen, and... Uh, you know, I think that uh, whether he waits for the winner of these guys or maybe has a fight to fight uh, one of these guys, I, I think it makes sense. But I, I like your idea of having him kind of wait uh, as a possible backup. Well, and I've said it before and I'll say it again, given the payday that sits in front of Khabib and Connor, unless it's some catastrophic injury that literally doesn't enable them to walk to the octagon right tony ferguson's injuries sustained at fox sports or wherever it was yeah. was such that he could i mean this was a very significant severe injury and that's why even though it's nice to hear he's medically clear to fight how about the fact that he wants to fight in 46 days and seemingly is training for yeah. a date in 46 days uh i don't know what the exact timeline is uh but i know it was a very severe injury and i know that tony ferguson is coming back quicker uh, at least if that date holds true, then a lot of athletes uh, given that predicament. But excited to have Ferguson back in the mix. You know, we've seen the UFC put in these backup plans. We saw with Alexander Volkov when Daniel Cormier fought Stipe Miocic. You saw it for the Israel Adesanya-Brad Tavares fight when Tiago Mahetta Santos made weight, mm -hmm. and he was on standby. There are other examples as well. Uh, Kamaru Usman, Kenny, is going to do that same thing at UFC 228 in Dallas. Yes. And uh, some of his comments are pretty interesting. He felt like this was his destiny for his championship course. Either way, uh, what do you think about Kamaru on standby as we segue there for September 8th? Uh, again, another idea. When you're booking uh, these huge fights, I, I think it's imperative for the UFC to have someone waiting in the wings to step in in case something happens to one of those guys. And Kamaru Usman uh, is certainly um, you know, deserving of that opportunity as well. Darren Till... Uh, Tyron Woodley, it, that fight is very interesting. Um, I, I think Darren Till uh, is an absolute monster. Tyron Woodley, we know what he can do. He has knockout power. He obviously has that wrestling uh, you know, pedigree. So with Kamara Usman, um, whether he's stepping in for Tyron or, or Till, I, I think it makes a lot of sense, and that is a tough fight. Either way you see it, those are tough matchups all the way around. Well, and I know you sort of think about it from a, a title challenger standpoint, it's it's probably not ideal for a lot of fighters when they finally realize a UFC title fight to have to do it under these circumstances. Yeah. And some interesting comments from Kamar Usman, MMAfighting.com. Uh, I was already in training. Fortunately, the UFC was like, hey, do you want to be on standby? I was going to do that anyway. They didn't have to tell me I was going to be there on weight, whether they compensated me to be there or not. 
I was going to do that for free because that was my shot in my dreams. I dreamt this was the process of how how I become champion. Now, then he also talked about the preparation and some of the challenges or lack thereof in his mind, right? He said the only difference is with the scheduled bout, there's a little less of that pressure, a little less of that anxiety. Once you have an opponent in your mind you're preparing for, you're working on specifics, and you get guys in to mimic what they do, this is different. I don't have to do that. I'm just training hard, Mm -hmm. doing the things I'm good at, and kind of in a roundabout way doing some mimicking things of what these guys are good at. It's a little less stress. I kind of prefer it this way, kind of prefer in preparing for two guys but keeping the focus on yourself I don't know Kenny I feel like in your position maybe in your career uh that would, wouldn't have been enticing to you I don't know I mean what do you think about that part of the challenge for Usman if indeed this opportunity does materialize well, well it's interesting listen uh, for Kamaru uh I think this is one of the opportunities for him to get a huge opportunity uh in, in fighting for the belt and I think it does make sense for him and it makes particular sense for a guy like Kamaru Usman because his style isn't going to change based on who he fights really you know there's other guys that you know they're going to vary uh you know how they train and what they do on fight night guys like Habib Nurmagomedov guys like Kamara Usman who come in with that wrestling pedigree and and always going to come come behind those takedowns um their fights aren't really going to change they don't need to change much so I, I think it does make sense for him um, and, you know, also there's been some questions about saying, you know, hey, listen, Camaro has been uh, criticized as maybe not being the most exciting fighter out there. Um, this might be his shot, you know, to, to kind of go in there and, and get this opportunity. And at the very least, it tells you what the promotion thinks of him. And Kamaru also said, too, he's hoping that the Till Woodley fight stays intact, right? Mm-hmm. He's just putting himself in position and is thankful that the UFC is right. at least giving him that type of opportunity. Uh, all right, let's talk to Ray Longo. It's been a couple of weeks. Let's get to him. It's now time for the Ray Longo Minute. I want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo Minute. John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. So last week, the Anik and Florian podcast is on the bye, and the whole staff was in the loop. But for whatever reason, Ken Flo, the one guy that we forgot to inform of the bye oh, week. Oh, man. I mean, Kenny, exactly. Longo. Now I know where I rate. I'm sitting there. Like, I'm like this. Come on. When's the phone ring? When's the phone ring? <laughs> what, 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 what's the coming? I'm, come on. <laughs> I'm so excited. He goes, oh, no, no. Oh, you didn't know the show was canceled. Like, you didn't wow. get the memo. Uh, like you, did it. you didn't get the memo. Hey, listen, I was listening to you guys talk. Let me just add one thing. And, Kenny, you would know better than me, but when you were fighting, we weren't in this predicament. The landscape of MMA has changed to where you have yeah. to get ready for these fights, that's, right? That's, that, this is, is that true. That, I that, agree. That's the thing. I don't remember anything like that. Hey, Matt, you know, get ready. Or, you know, you could jump in there. Yes. No, I tell you, because of the landscape today and the way everything is, I think what Usman's doing is fantastic, and I think if he gets that shot, he's going to do great. But you, you are forced into doing that. That this is what you need to do sometimes to get a shot, because for whatever the reason is, this is where we're at today. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. Well, and and maybe in this situation, he knows Covington can't make that date, so it gets one name out of the mix, and mm-hmm. for Kamaru, that preparation is worth it. So I apologize that I didn't let you know that uh, that we were not on the docket. I mean, do you have an email address, Ray? I mean, do you use email, electronic mail? <laughs> no, no, you just go out in your backyard and you beat the conga drums, and I hear it. <laughs> <laughs> 
Smoke I mean, signals. All right, so. I mean, you know, it's bad enough. I, he didn't tell me. Now he's just insulting me on national podcast <laughs> TV America. <laughs> oh, man. Just, I mean, come on. Hey, I have an email. And you know what's funny? I'll, I'll put it in perspective for you. At the end, it's Netscape.net. That's still around. Yes. There it is. See, I, I could have did that. So. Oh, yeah, of course I have an email. Then I tell you, and then everybody's laughing. Wow. I, didn't think, <laughs> I, didn't, I thought Netscape was dead like 20 years ago. <laughs> Uh, what do we got? I mean, guys? I don't want to belabor it. I don't want to belabor it. But in 167 episodes, I have never failed to text you your your appearance, your time slot, all of that of those things. But I regret that uh, I kept you away because Kenny, honestly, the reason why I am belaboring it, yep. he was literally sitting in his office for a quarter of an hour See waiting this? for our phone call. He's terrible. dedicated. He's dedicated. And the, and the humidity was like 94 <laughs> percent, so I was literally <laughs> dripping sweat. Go wow! I don't know if I can. I, I thought it was a battle of attrition. I didn't know if you were going to call or I was going to oh, pass out first. Horrible. Horrible. All right, well, as as you continue with the weight cut today, I want to start, and we have a ton to get to with you, depending on how much time you have, but Khabib Nurmagomedov versus Conor McGregor is 46 days away. I did a Q&A with Khabib in Calgary, and my takeaway from him, I've said this before, I feel like he's walking around a little bit smaller to make absolutely certain that he's going to weigh 155 pounds. I feel like he has been forced to maybe relinquish a little bit of muscle mass in order to maintain a frame that guarantees he can make weight, and I think it might be an interesting wrinkle in the fight. Uh, any thoughts on that and that fight, which is now less than 50 days out? Uh, I mean, there's a lot of thoughts on that fight. But, that, I mean, look, he's got to do what he has to do. I think the, the worst thing that could possibly happen in this fight, even worse than losing, would be him not making weight. You know what I mean? I think that would not be good. And so he's got to do what he has to do. I think that's a strong-minded individual that, that is going to blast right through that when fight time comes. So uh, I don't think McGregor's got the best gas tank either unless he's made some adjustments. But uh, it's an interesting fight. It's 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 interesting how there there's no buildup. And I don't know why that is, but it could be that I don't think McGregor could get any bang for his buck trying to intimidate this guy. I, I mean, for some reason, they opted not to do a world tour. And I guess that they, they figure they just have the name recognition that's going to sell the tickets. But it would have been nice to see those antics again from McGregor. We haven't seen him in a while. But uh, for some reason, they opted not to do that so far. And that fight is close. Well, well, and I think there's the rub. That's why they're not doing it, because the fighters want to train, and, and that has yeah. to be the focus. It came together yeah. pretty quickly, uh, in a lot of respects at least. Uh, so it does seem as though Luke Rockhold ha has finally signed on the dotted line, or at least verbally agreed to this rematch with Chris Weidman coming up November, uh, UFC 230, Madison Square Garden. I mean, what a night for the middleweight division. I got to think this rematch maybe has more upside to you than, than a lot of fights, Paulo Costa and others that could have come your way. Yeah, no, I think, first off, I think it's great that Chris gets to redeem himself. He's really, really psyched. Matter of fact, as soon as I hang up the phone, I have to run to uh, Belmore. He's getting some good rounds in there. He's got some tough guys over there, uh, boxers that we've been working with right now. And uh, he's he's looking good. We're on point for as far as we're out, you know, the, the time frame we're in. And as it goes, we'll just keep picking it up. But right now he looks good. I just want him getting back in there and really banging it out in those old school like boxing wars and that's what he's doing right now and, and Ray, how, how are you approaching this fight against Rockhold are you approaching this you know looking back at the first couple fights and seeing exactly what you need to do here uh, or are you approaching this like a completely different fight uh no you know we're looking back I you know 
Ken is a really strange thing because I, you know, I know we had, you know, we had the foot problem in the first fight, yeah, and and I think it was more of a mental thing. So I think right now he's in a good spot, and he, if he's physically fit, I expect him to go right through Rockhold. If he's physically fit, and I think he will be. Right now, everything's good, but this shit changes on obviously on a daily basis. But when he, like I always said this about him, when he's focused and he's in tune and he's healthy. He's just a handful for anybody, and he's. Yeah. I can guarantee. I right now, as I'm talking now, and as I'm about to, you know, watch him spar, he's going in there guns blazing for sure. So yeah, we'll look at the first fight, but nothing crazy because this is, you know, this, this is a new fight. This is a new Rockhold. Rockhold's got new wrinkles in his game since the last time. So we're looking to exploit whatever mm-hmm. we think, you know, his weaknesses are, and you know, play to Chris's uh, strengths. What's the biggest difference for you guys, three rounds versus five? I mean, I know you're the conditioning guru. I mean, Chris has to be smiling every time he walks in the gym that, that he can go hard, I guess, for, for 15 if needed. Well, I, I, I think that is the big difference. You could push it. You could you could sprint. Not not totally, but you could sprint for 15 minutes as opposed to you don't want to sprint in the first round of a five-rounder and then get caught in the fourth round. The fight's still going on, and you kind of you know blew your load. So I think the three rounds is going to favor him. I think uh, – yeah, I think from the opening bell, you're going to see a totally different fight. All right, well, coming again, up well before and, and that, September. At, and even if, even if you look at the first fight, John, you know, when was it that he threw that kick? I mean, going into that third right. round, that fight, I'm going to say, was probably one and one maybe, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. At least in my head it was. Uh, so I think it's going to favor Chris. I really do. You know, because he's had the so, long layoff, so... You know, this is three rounds of hard cardio, and where he's at is going to be fantastic. Well, coming up well before that, a few weeks, September 8th, UFC 228 in Dallas. Big one for Aljamain Sterling against Cody Stamen. What can you tell us about Aljo's progress as he gets close to uh, the hell week before fight week? Ready to feed the streets, John. Yeah, I bet he is. I bet he, he is. Really is. I, just, I just got done with him. Uh, they're looking great. And, uh, yeah, he's excited. I think it's a perfect fight for him, too. Great matchup. Uh, I think he gets to, you know, grow a little bit more. And uh, I'm, I'm excited for it. Yeah, should be a real good test. Very close fight, according to the odds makers. Aljo, the slightest of favorites right now at minus 120. Hey, what's that Russia itinerary look like? I know you have a flight right now. I don't know if you're going to get on it. But I know yeah. you at least have a flight booked right now because well, it's so good, close. Well, the good news is I just renewed my passport and it came in. So that that's set. Yeah. So we got that squared away because that was the good. only glitch. But me and the terror will be on that plane together. So I'm excited for Russia. I love this kid, Marab. I don't know if you guys saw the Instagram where he's running up and down the hills with a guy on his back. But that was after he already completed a grueling session. He's just got a gas tank for days. He's got a personality that's magnetic. You got to love this kid. Yeah. And I'm looking for him to really shine in, in Russia, which is what he wants to do. And, I, you know, he's he's a he's a loose cannon when he's in New Jersey. I don't know what he's going to be like in Russia, but that guy's <laughs> definitely coming forward guns blazing. And he's, well, got I, a gas, he's got a gas tank for days, that guy. Yeah. And I said after that crazy end to his UFC debut against Ricky Simone, I would hate to be the guy who has to fight Marab Tavalishvili next because he's going to going to be a problem i think in particular on that night september 15th so well that's going to be good money in the kitty for you yeah for an opponent i was actually looking for mark guarded to be his next opponent after that fight (laughs) yeah 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 they said they didn't want to do that so they gave us uh (laughs) harry away (laughs) 
I like that. That's good. So uh, uh, in terms of uh, your kitty, if you go to Russia, obviously that's going to be very lucrative for you in terms of the check coming your way from the Anakin Florian uh, LLC, I believe it's called. So last thing for you today, you are that's down to a- I want my money. I want don't 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 make me bet and lose again. I'll be down to forty cents for Russia. All right, we're, we're going to give you two to one odds. So we're going to put it in your favor. And as okay. I said, you're only making money here. It's not like we're taking any of your money. You're losing your own money. Okay, you are down yeah. to one hundred and fifty dollars. This weekend's UFC main event: James Vick, Justin Gaethje. You pick the winner correctly, you get a hundred dollars. You fail to do so, you lose fifty. <laughs> Vicar Gaethje this weekend. Who do you like? Swanee River. What do you got? We got a radio show to produce. Do you have any? Yeah, yeah, hold on a second. I'm going to give it to you, then I got to get out of here, too, and I'm stuck. I'm going to go with. Vic's uh, oh, the man. favorite. I, just, I saw Gaethje. Who's the favorite? G- Vic. James Vic minus 160, Justin Gaethje plus 130. Oh wow! I'm gonna go I mean, with you know what? Uh, I'm gonna go with Gaethje on this. How's that? All right, he goes with. Young I, I have no Justin idea. Gaethje. I just saw him in Vegas. He seems like a really cool dude, and you know, I don't know James Vick that well, but I'm going. I'm betting with my heart. Well, that's good. I mean, I think that's that's sage advice for the gamblers who listen to this show that you oh, go with yeah, the cool no, no. dude. You know gamblers don't Justin Whatever Gaethje. you do. Hey, we love you, buddy. Thanks for the time. Go get cool out there, and uh, all the best over there in Belmore at the Kickboxing Academy, and and we look forward to talking to you in six days, my friend. And basically, I'll be going to Russia with 100 bucks, is what you're telling me. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, we'll see. (laughs) Come on, Kenny. Help me out. (laughs) (laughs) Take it easy, guys. I'll see you next week. Thank you, buddy. The Ray Longo Minute dating to episode one right here on the Anakin Florian podcast. So, again, I mean, it's like we're paying him, okay? We're giving him an opportunity in our sports book, right? He doesn't lose any money. So if Justin Gaethje wins, he is up to 250. And if Gaethje loses, his initial 300, I think, would be down uh, to $100. Support for the Anakin Florian podcast, by the way, comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans, America's premier home purchase lender. Let's talk about buying a home. It can be one of the most important purchases you'll ever make. But today's fluctuating interest rates can leave you with unexpected higher payments, which can turn a great experience into an anxious one. That's why Quicken Loans created their exclusive power buying process. So here's how it works. They check your income, assets, and credit to give you a verified approval. This gives you the strength of a cash buyer, making your offer more attractive to sellers. Once verified, you qualify for their exclusive rate shield approval. They'll lock your interest rate for up to 90 days while you shop for your new home. Then once you've found the one, if rates have gone up, your rate stays the same. But if rates have gone down, you get to keep that new lower rate. So either way you win, it's the kind of thinking you'd expect from America's largest mortgage lender. So to get started, go to rocketmortgage.com slash ANIC, rocketmortgage.com slash ANIK. Rate shield approval only valid on certain 30-year purchase transactions. Additional conditions or exclusions may apply based on Quicken Loans data in comparison to public data records. Equal housing lender license in all 50 states and MLSconsumeraccess.org number 3030. All right, so a few UFC headlines that I was sort of getting to earlier, and I touched on Khabib and Connor with Ray Longo. 46 days out, right? And give me a short timeline leading up to the fight over a world tour any day of the week. I can't wait. Uh, I'm happy we're, we, we're 64 days down to 46. We're moving in the right direction. What do you think about 
Khabib and, and what I said earlier about making sure that he puts himself in position where the weight is not going to be a question. Because I don't know if he weighed 54 for the last one, but it really didn't seem to be in question. And again, just standing next to him, I feel like he's made some decisions to make sure that this is something he has nipped in the bud. I'm not saying it's going to cost him necessarily in the first minute of the right. fight against Conor McGregor, but when I mentioned it to his guy, Daniel Cormier, you know, he didn't dismiss it as a factor. I just want to get your thoughts on on that particular observation I had a couple weeks ago there in, in Calgary. Well, it, it is certainly something different, right? So um, I, I think the last fight, he kind of came in a little bit lighter, too. He, he Yes. Uh, and I think it was a good decision. So, you know, if he gets too excited, I, I remember uh, in my fight against BJ Penn, um, I was training like an animal. I started way too early, and I peaked too early. I, I felt like crap, and, um, yeah, it, it was not a good situation. Um, so I think for Habib, you know, I don't think he's going to get rattled by Conor McGregor necessarily, but he is very motivated to smash Conor McGregor, and sometimes you can get a little yes. too excited. I don't think that's going to be the case, though. I think he's coming in leaner because he knows how important this fight is. He realizes that, yes, he has missed weight before. He does not want to be that guy again. Uh, so he's coming in lighter. Um, and I think it suited him well in that last fight. I don't think it's going to be a case where he's cutting weight, he's coming in a little bit lighter, he cuts weight maybe a little bit earlier, uh, and now he's weakened by that. I, I don't think that's going to be the case with Habib Nurmagomedov. In terms of the conditioning battle, if we do go to the latter rounds, it seems like a lot of pro fighters and experts that I've heard from, uh, analysts I guess I should say and not experts, seem to be picking Conor McGregor, a lot of them picking him early. Some have suggested about Conor McGregor that he puts in the right time and does the right conditioning work, even though sometimes his cardio will abandon him on fight night. And then maybe, maybe metabolic, metabolically, Kenny, or biologically, uh, he just doesn't necessarily have it in him to be this just elite cardio guy in the 24th minute of a championship fight. I, I don't know if you can lend any insight on that, but in terms of the conditioning battle, do you think it is decided advantage Nurmagomedov? Well, I do because we know what Habib wants to do. Habib wants to go out there and wrestle. He wants to go out there and grind Conor McGregor down like he has done 24, 25 times previously as a pro. So, um, yeah, I think that dealing with that uh, is, is not going to be easy for Conor McGregor. Uh, however, I, I think Connor is going to be quicker. Uh, he's going to be way better with his footwork. He's going to be faster on his feet. He's going to have faster hands and faster strikes. Uh, but he, Habib doesn't want to do that. Habib's going to go uh, and wrestle. I, I think a lot of people kind of saw that fight against Ally Quinta and go, oh, well, he's going to do that. He's not going to He's going to go and try to do that same thing and try to strike with Conor McGregor. He is not going to do that. He's going to take the same approach he did against a guy like Edson Barbosa, for example, and, and repeatedly take him down and try to pound his head into the canvas. That's what Habib right. does best, and that's what he better do against Conor McGregor if he does decide to strike or if he does for some reason – not have a lot of success with his takedowns, that's when you start to get frustrated. And I think that that conditioning factor, I think, is directly related to the kind of mental anguish or the kind of pressure that you're dealing with on fight night. How many times have I seen a fighter on, uh, in, the, in the training room look fantastic? They're doing five rounds plus, and, they, and they're not even tired. That same fighter goes in and in a three-round fight in the UFC, and they are exhausted after one round. How does that happen? Because of the mental pressure that they're feeling on fight night. There's so much tension in their body. And I got to say, 
no one releases that tension better than a Conor McGregor. I think Conor McGregor and John Jones, as far as competitors, getting rid yeah. of that pressure, getting rid of that um, you know, tension, I don't think there's any, any competitors that do it better than those guys, really. Um, yeah. uh, of being, of just kind of phasing out uh, the lights, the audience, the crowd, the referee, uh, the magnitude of the fight, and just goes out there and competes extremely well. Uh, and Conor McGregor is coming off one of the biggest combat sports event in history against Floyd Mayweather. Right. So he's he's been there. He's he's done that. Um, Habib doesn't quite have that same kind of experience. But again, for Habib, right. he's a very mentally strong individual. Yeah. No, those are all fascinating points, and you're right. This is going to be a different walk for Khabib Nurmagomedov. I think if I had to bet on one guy to be well-equipped to handle that walk and the pressure that comes with the biggest fight by a mile of his life, it is Khabib Nurmagomedov. But you're right about John Jones. I remember that being sort of one of my early takeaways is he's just smiling ear to ear yeah. as he's walking out to angry Johnny uh, by Poe and just owning the moment and just being so excited to compete. And I think TJ Dillashaw is cut from that cloth as well. We talked a little bit about that a couple weeks ago. Just He's just excited that it's fight night and there are just so many fighters, George St. Pierre chief among them, that are not at all excited that it is fight night. So 46 days away, Khabib Nurmagomedov and Conor McGregor basically sold out, not quite there yet, but it will be soon, and it is probably going to be the biggest gate in UFC history. I think it's number two already, according to MMAfighting.com's Dave wow. Meltzer. So uh, I'm very confident we're going to get there, baby. 46 days out. We'll leave it at that, at least for this week. A couple other things I want to get to. Francis Ngannou, Curtis Blades, the rematch book November 24th. It'll be the main event for the UFC's first jaunt to Beijing, China. Five rounds if needed. So this was really the only non-championship bout that had any upside for Curtis Blades, who is undefeated next to that Ngannou loss in his UFC debut uh, that, by the way, came due to a doctor stoppage, I believe, at the end of round two. So for Curtis Blades, he understands that maybe he got into or on a championship trajectory maybe quicker than he thought he would, and the Cormier fight just wasn't going to happen at this point in time. Next best thing for him, I would think, is a five-round main event against the at least to this point, cardio-challenged uh, predator Francis Ngannou. Great fight for Curtis Blades. Um, he is riding high on confidence right now. Um, I, I don't think a lot of people realize how good of a wrestler he is and how good he is uh, at mixing those aspects in of getting you to worry about the hands and then changing levels and putting you on your back. Um, not a great fight for Francis Ngannou. Uh, I, I, again, you, you saw how he came back against Stipe Miocic. And he faced a guy who really was going to stand and trade with him. He really wasn't concerned with takedowns in that fight. Um, and he was very gun-shy. How is he going to respond to a guy in Curtis Blades who is a similar guy in Stipe Miocic? Not, not the same guy, but a similar guy. A guy who can both trade and can take you down. So... Again, I don't know how Francis Ngannou is going to respond in that fight. If I was his manager, I would stay far away from a guy like Curtis Blades. I, I don't right, think right. this is a recipe for disaster for Francis Ngannou, in my opinion. I, I really believe that. I think this is this is a tough fight. I would much rather him fight another striker again, you know, kind of go in there and, and strike, and kind of get that confidence back. And then yeah. worry about a guy like a Curtis Blades, but a guy who's a double threat with the takedowns and with the striking, I, I don't know. I, I just I just disagree with that fight for Francis Ngannou. Well, and I one. think right there with Cain Velazquez, and 
he might have passed him at this point in time. Curtis Blades, at least in terms of takedowns landed, I think is the most accomplished in UFC heavyweight history. I don't know if he's a better MMA wrestler than Stipe Miocic. I would submit to you that he probably is, but he's a takedown machine. Uh, and he proved against Alistair Overeem that he is starting to understand what to do with those takedowns at points in the fight that he can finish them. And, man, did he close the show against the ring. And, and John, grappling isn't that thing. Like, I, I think, oh, listen, mixed martial arts is difficult. So, you know, it's tough to come back a different fighter as a striker. But it's particularly difficult to come back as a different grappler especially off your back, that takes years of sensitivity, years of training, especially when applied in a mixed martial arts setting. That is very difficult to learn, and I have a hard time believing that Francis Ngannou all of a sudden is going to be the submission machine off of his back because that's what he's yeah. going to have to be if, if he wants to fight a guy like Curtis Blades or at the very least learn how to get back up to his feet consistently, and that is going to be tough to do against a guy like Curtis Blades. And again, we saw the kind of the mental hurdles and the mental pressure that he was dealing with in his last fight, and he just right. didn't deliver against Derek Lewis, right? So how is he going to do that against Curtis Blades? I don't know. I hope he proves me wrong, but I don't know. I don't think this bodes well for him. Well, right. Happy Thanksgiving, right? We'll see in Beijing for arguably the worst matchup in the division for you in Curtis Blades. But right, forgetting about the matchup, maybe we buried the lead a little bit. Forget about who Francis Ngannou is fighting. I mean, I forgot he fought Derek Lewis, right? I was right. actually filing away my old fight cards today, and I was mm. like, oh, yeah, those guys fought um, because I the fight obviously really didn't happen in front of us. They right. just kind of stared at each other. Francis Ngannou's got so many obstacles I would think to overcome and, and he certainly has some time with which to do it about 12 weeks out right now but all eyes are going to be on Francis Ngannou Thanksgiving weekend headliner in Beijing uh, in a rematch with Curtis Blades alright couple things on the middleweight division then time permitting I do want to get to Cejudo and Dillashaw Jake Ellenberger scheduled to join us as well he fights in Nebraska coming up this weekend also picks on that entire show Vic Gaethje winner from Ken Flo the lock of the week um Yoel Romero tells ESPN he is not fighting Paulo Costa in November at UFC 230. So we mm. talked earlier with Ray Longo about a Chris Weidman, Luke Rockhold rematch. So if Romero were to have fought Costa, Kenny, that night, all that night, all at 185 pounds and all seemingly on pay-per-view, you would have had two versus three Rockhold Weidman, five versus seven Jacare versus David Branch, six versus nine, Derek Brunson versus Israel Adesanya, and then number one, Yoel Romero against number eight, Paulo Costa, right? Of course, the champion Robert Whitaker fighting number four, Kelvin Gastelum. I love what they're trying to do. You know, we always try to blow it out in New York, but that Madison Square Garden card, monstrous night, middleweight tournament of sorts, and can we please get that number one versus number eight? Doesn't look like it's going to line up for Yoel Romero, but heck of a showcase night for the middleweight division nonetheless November 3rd at MSG. Right, and I guess the uh, the reason is he's getting facial surgery. Is that right? Because of his last fight against Whitaker? Is that is that the deal? Yes, I think it was some sort of yeah. fracture in the face. That's unfortunate. Again, Paulo Costa... Um, I think that might have been a little bit too much for him. So maybe this is a little bit of a gift for Paulo Costa. I think he's a fantastic fighter. I think he's an exciting fighter. I think this guy is an absolute warrior. We saw him uh, get hurt in his last fight and just keep coming back. And uh, I, I think he's a very good striker offensively. Defensively, he has some work to do. I think uh, he's obviously got the build. He's got the look to be a big star in this sport. I, I think this might have been a good thing for him. I, I think, um, you know... 
I think Yo Romero with his wrestling background and his ability to kind of diffuse um, good offensive striking by using his footwork and utilizing his wrestling, uh, it would have been a tough matchup for Paulo Costa. Uh, but uh, I'm curious to see who they put him in there with now. Have they said anything that Paulo Costa has a replacement now? or Maybe they'll try to preserve that fight. I just right. think that it has a lot of legs, and I think that the promotion loves the matchup. The fans love the matchup mm-hmm. as well. So I think that will probably happen at some point okay, in time. Gotcha. But we'll see. We'll see. You nice. never know. It, it looks, though, at that that's the top ten, right? You have the championship fight between the Ultimate Fighter coaches, the champ Robert Whitaker, number four Kelvin Gastelum, and that is uh, one through nine. So very interesting stuff there. All right. Last thing before we get to Jake Ellenberger and the UFC Lincoln selection. So Henry Cejudo and TJ Dillashaw went on extra with Mario Lopez together. And I don't know if they were teasing a super fight. And I don't even know if they would fight at 135 pounds or 125 pounds. And and that's a whole different conversation, I guess. If I'm TJ, I think the upside is moving down and not having Henry move up. But Demetrius Johnson in all of this, I would contend that if Demetrius Johnson didn't suffer a pretty significant injury against Henry Cejudo and his wife wasn't, you know, 38 weeks pregnant, that he wouldn't have stepped back to such an extent in saying, yeah, why don't they go make that super fight? Because if he was healthy out of that fight with Cejudo, I think a lot of criticism would be levied at DJ that he is almost pushing a super fight between Cejudo and TJ Dillashaw, a fight that he could have had at one point in time uh, if he had signed on the dotted line. So I think you got to give DJ the benefit of the doubt, but I'll, I'll admit to being a little bit surprised that he seems so willing to to not promote but not get in the way at all of that fight going down. Yeah, I, listen, I, I wonder if there's something he knows that we don't know as far as you know how much money he was going to make. And maybe just financially, he looks at it and goes, this doesn't make sense for me. You know? Of and course. Of course. I, I don't know. I, I think that DJ is a pretty smart guy. Um, I think that was a fight that myself and a lot of people wanted to see. And Demetrius Johnson, the guy who was going to be involved in that fight, didn't seem so interested, which really threw me off and a lot of people off. But... You know, Demetrius Johnson, I think he has a number in his head uh, of what he feels he should be paid as a guy who has defended that belt more than anyone in UFC history, a a guy who is, for me, a true master of mixed martial arts. There is a lot of great fighters. You could argue there's guys that are better pound for pound or better goats or whatever it is, you know, one or two guys maybe out there. But as far as the kind of skills that Demetrius Johnson demonstrates inside the mixed martial arts octagon, I mean... I don't think there's anybody who shows more skill in every single area and aspect of the game than Demetrius Johnson. That is a true master at work every time he competes. Um, What Henry Cejudo was able to accomplish just to make it that close, I still thought Demetrius Johnson, uh, you know, should have gotten the nod. It was was just, it was razor thin either way. You can't say it was a robbery, that's for sure. Um, it is amazing what Henry Cejudo is able to accomplish. Uh, you look at his wrestling career and what he did. I think we're going to see a rematch between those guys. I think people want to see a fight between Sudo and, and Dillashaw, but it definitely doesn't have that same pop that uh, Demetrius Johnson uh, and TJ Dillashaw fight has. I, I just right. I don't think so. I think for TJ Dillashaw and for a lot of the fans, they most likely want to see him fight, uh, you know, the Asun Sows or uh, the Marlon Moraes uh, in his division than have a, a super fight at this point against a guy like Henry Cejudo. But Henry Cejudo is smart because in this game, you, you, put, you put the vibe out there, you get the fans talking. It may not happen the next fight, but this is a kind of thing, this buzz will start to build over time as he continually mentions uh, TJ Dillashaw. 
Yeah, I know. I think you hit on all of it. And I, I just think with all of those options at 135 pounds, Marlon Rice, Dominic Cruz, Rafael Asuncao, mm -hmm. and a flyweight champion who just won the belt several weeks ago and hasn't defended at 125 pounds. If I'm TJ Dillashaw, how can I make history? I moved down to 125 pounds. I'm the longer reigning UFC champion, two-time 135-pound champion. I can become a two-division champion. I see far less upside for Dillashaw with Cejudo moving up. Uh, table yeah. that, though, for a second, because now joining us a man who this Saturday night will make his 21st UFC appearance. Just the second, though, in his home state of Nebraska inside the octagon. He is the juggernaut. Jake Ellenberger now live with us. Jake, welcome home, man. How are you today? I'm doing well. I'm doing well, Jen. How are you guys? Well, we are doing well. So I guess if my math is right this morning, seventh pro fight in Nebraska, first since you headlined against Diego Sanchez. That was 2012. So this fight car being in Lincoln, I'd imagine that was a pretty big factor in you making the quick turn from that June 1st fight here Saturday night? Definitely. Definitely. You know, that's one of the things, as soon as it was announced, I was really hoping to be able to compete back here in Nebraska, especially in front of the family and hometown. And, uh, you know, the, 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 with the Diego fight back in 2012 was, was, you know, was one of the, one of the highlights of my career for sure. And, um, one of the best experiences I've had. So, you know, I, I just, I know what to, you know, I know what to expect and then the atmosphere. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to Lincoln this, uh, this Saturday. And Kenny and I certainly remember that 2012 week well and just how you owned everything about Fight Week and how happy you were, and we were happy for you. So so you fought Ben Saunders. That was June 1st. He actually replaced Brian Barberina in the fight, and now this Barberina fight comes around again. How did it come together on your end? I know there's some history there with your brother, too. Um, how excited are you that this fight did come around a second time and, and pretty soon after it was scheduled to go down? Yeah, no, he is. He's a... A guy I was, I was really looking forward to facing. Um, you know, there was some parody there. He has he has fought my brother uh, years ago, um, and yeah, we were we were scheduled too. So I, I know he had a he had to deal with some injury or some something he was going through. But um, yeah, my my you know my quick quick turnaround and, and, and conversation to Dana was that I wanted to really wanted to get to get on this card, and, and he said uh, you know we'll give it to you, and so that, that was the. The first guy they had, they had asked for, I said, "Beautiful. If, he, if he's if he's ready, to absolutely do it." So it was, uh, yeah, it was it was good to to come to light. Jake, how helpful is it that your brother already fought Brian Barberina? It's good. It's uh, you know, I, I, I obviously I was, was in his corner. I, I, I'm familiar with the guy. I've, I've watched all of his recent fights. You know, he, he has had a little bit of time off, but um, so yeah, I, I, I know what he does. I know it does well. I know it, I know it, where he has some holes, but uh, there, there's definitely some things um, that I can take advantage of, you know. But uh, again, it, it, it's a, it's a fight. I gotta I gotta be uh, stay alert, be on my BMA game. You know, Jake, you you've been fighting a long time. You've been involved in, in a lot of classic fights. Um, you know, how long do you want to do this? Well, you know, I, I do. I get asked that a lot, which is funny. Um, I, I really I love fighting i love training you know i love the people i'm around um and i, and I i'm not gonna you know i'm not gonna put a, a a timeline right now. i'm not gonna put a deadline I, I i've always told my uh my family i'm gonna i'm gonna fight one at one fight at a time mm -hmm. and we're just gonna keep going from there because right? you know th there'll be that day you know there's gonna be a day where you wake up and you just you don't have that fire in your heart or in, in your mind and, or something you don't want to completely be committed to um 
and I know that day's going to come, but it's, you know, that day's not here yet. And I trust me, I, I look forward to going to the gym. I look forward to training and, and it really just the people I'm around. So like I said, yeah. it's, it's, uh, I, I enjoy it. I love it. I really do. And it, you know, it's one of those things that you see so many, so many different, uh, there's just jobs and careers and things out there that you see people just kind of struggling through that don't enjoy what they do. And it's like, man, I, I, I can't, I couldn't be that guy. And I, I certainly don't want to be that, that somebody like that. And, uh, you, you, you kind of realize that it's a, you know, it's a privilege. It's a privilege to be in this, uh, in this sport. So that's kind of a, kind of a humbling, uh, humbling factor as well. Very well, true. my first introduction to Jake Ellenberger, it was June of 2009. I was on the call at Bellator 11, and on like 24 hours' notice, maybe even less, uh, in a catchweight fight, you KO'd Marcelo Alfaya. It was 42 seconds. He goes out on a stretcher. Um, <laughs> at that point, you're 24 years old. You're 21 and 4, almost 10 years ago. I mean, for me, it feels like a lifetime ago. The last decade of your career <laughs> Has it gone quickly, or does Marcelo Alfaya seem like a, just a totally different lifetime of yours? Yeah, it's funny you bring that. That seems that seems like yesterday. I remember that. I remember the the call. I remember talking to uh, to my manager at the time, Monty Cox, and I remember that, that whole opportunity coming to. Yeah, we we got on a plane. I think it was a I don't even know a twelve or sixteen hour note or something like that. And uh, I yeah, just just I was I was always. I was always ready. It was one of those young, hungry kids. But uh, it does, I remember that well. It does, it does seem a long time ago. Um, it's, it's certainly been a lot of ups and downs, but, you know, that's, that's life. That's adversity. But uh, like I said, I, I, I enjoy. I really, really enjoy what I do. I love fighting. I love competing. And uh, like I said, there's no, there's no better place that's going to bring the best out of you than your hometown and home state. So I'm, I'm – uh, I'm all in here Saturday. All right, a couple more minutes here with Jake Ellenberger. You can see him fight on the main card on FS1 this Saturday night. And I'm going to be real with you here because Ken Flo and I are both fathers. Thankfully for Kenny, he was not a father when he was a fighter. Uh, and that's just my opinion <laughs> that it wouldn't be easier. I, I, you, I think you have two boys now, Jake. Is that right? I do. Yep, three and one. Unbelievable. And I can only imagine the source <laughs> of motivation. But you can't sit here and tell me that it makes it easier to be a professional mixed martial arts fighter with a couple kids hanging around because I'm just not going to buy it. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> no, you're, you're right, you're right. It, 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 there's, there's definitely, uh, there, it definitely makes it challenging. And then, you know, obviously just, just thinking about the future too. I mean, every you want to spend as much time and, and uh, put as much into being that, that man, that father um, as you can, so... You know, like I said, I, I, everything is for me is just taking a one fight at a time. I, I, I really, uh, I've really turned some, you know, turned some corners. And, and even with the, uh, you know, unfortunately with the last fight, you didn't get to, we didn't get to see um, a lot, a lot of the, a lot of the, the corners that I turned in the last six months in training and things have, have been going really well. But uh, like I said, it's, it's, you know, for me, it's every every day is a blank sheet. You know, every every fight really is, and. Uh, you know, the, the, the sport is unlike any other sport in the world. It's, it's, it's unlike boxing. It's unlike a lot of, um, just a, I'd say a lot more of these, these padded records. I and mean, when you're fighting at this level, you're fighting the best guys in the world. That's just, that's just the reality. But, uh, like I said, it's, it's a privilege and I'm, I'm honored to keep, to be able to do it, to be able to compete. Um, you know, and, and I, I work with a lot of 
people with the, the, the you know that are fighting with with disease and cancer, like uh, the Jesse Reese Foundation is one of them that I work with, and you know you just see a lot of these kids and and young adults that are that don't get opportunities and and that that barely uh that barely can live life. So you know it's it's definitely a humbling and a experience, but it, you know it makes you grateful and really uh like I said privileged to, to be able to do what we do. Well, your training partner and teammate, Peniel Dargish, on Instagram wrote last week, every time I train with Jake, I'm reminded of how much potential he has. I can't wait for the world to see on Saturday. Mark my words, the juggernaut is coming. 33 years old, pro fight number 46, and and potentially some still unscratched potential. Man, we look forward to seeing it against Brian Barberina this weekend. And I don't know if you pay attention to the betting odds at all, but tell your buddy, Benny Dargish, to find himself a bookie because <laughs> Jake Ellenberger's plus 375 right now. Yeah, I, it's funny. I have some some close friends that that are that are very into the lines, but uh, I, I yeah, I've, I've heard it was at Willow Hill. It was up to about four twenty five. Somebody in in Vegas told me, but that's yeah, that, that, <laughs> hey, that's that's it. It is what it is, you know. <laughs> Well, we'll be watching Saturday Night Man, part of the main card on FS1. Enjoy that walk, man. I know you will, and, and we appreciate you carving out a few minutes for us today, bud. Absolutely, guys. Thanks for having me on. Good luck, Jake. Right, there he is, UFC Thanks. welterweight Jake Ellenberger with us here on the Anakin Florian Podcast. And, dude, people don't like when I bring up the whole father-fighter thing at times, right? But it's real, okay? Like Carlos Condit at one point in time due to some circumstances, had Brent, Brandon Gibson, his striking coach, like holding his baby while he's working with another coach, right? Like, <laughs> it's a real thing, right? It's not always that way. And, you know, we've had times, Kenny, oh, my, my wife might have to leave the kid here during the podcast. And it's like, I mean, take the iPad and pray they don't come barging in here, you know? But for a fighter, I mean, that is no joke when you're trying to sort of maximize your 16 hours awake or whatever it is and, and you got a couple little ones man nothing easy about it and i think it's a factor and i think to dismiss it as a factor at least for some of these guys who are really doting dads you're not paying attention to the whole picture That's well, for, well first of all every time i talk to jake ellenberger you're reminded how nice of a guy and how real he is uh, as a competitor but um i absolutely agree with you but listen the asterisk is if you want to be a good dad if you don't want to be a good dad then you just you're ignore good. your you're kid good. You're yeah good. you're yeah. fine you're like yeah, whatever. Oh, I have a kid over there. Whatever. I'm just gonna go train. Yeah, uh, but no, if you want like to, <laughs> exactly. No, and if I know you want, if you want that, to be, if you want to be a dad, then yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it is very difficult, man. I, I can't even imagine uh, having a kid now and having to train or, or you know be able to train the amount that I did when I was fighting. It, it is quite difficult. You have to. It's a balancing act, and and then you know you get into two kids or three kids, or your wife's oh, pregnant. Oh, I mean that that's oh, that's a lot of balls oh, in the air, kid. Oh God. Yeah. See, yeah. you say balls, I think, man, I got a son. I have three now. <laughs> it's terrible. Uh, only uh, harder job than father, though, Ken Flo. Do you know what the only harder job out there? Well, I'm sure, like mother, for coal mine, coal mine. Oh, mother. Right. Yeah. I mean, geez, you got the gender police after me now. Right. So. No, I mean, no harder job than parent. I would say coal miner sounds very, very difficult, and yeah. I'm sure everything Tim Kennedy does on a daily basis is very difficult and probably more difficult than me cooking dinner for a 7- <laughs> and 5-year-old. But fighter is the most difficult job that I can yeah. see. And for Jake Ellenberger, Ken Flo, at one point he was 29-6. and six. He will make the walk this weekend at 31-14, and 14, having lost eight of his last 10 
uh, three in a row. It's been top competition every step of the way. Ben yeah. Saunders, Mike Perry, Jorge Masvidal most recently. But it's been a rough go of it. And, you know, I, I don't think this is a retirement fight necessarily. He was born in 1985, so there could still be some, some good years ahead for Jake Ellenberger. But this is a 46th professional fight for him. And the, the recent results have, have not been great. Brian Barberina is a minus 500 favorite over the juggernaut this weekend. Uh, yeah, listen, uh, for Jake, uh, he hasn't uh, been on the best streak. And, and obviously, you know, he's a guy who has a tremendous amount of power. He's always going to have that. Um, you know, I, I don't – and we were talking about, you know, the confidence and, and training in the gym and then going out and competing. I think Jake is, is definitely one of those guys that in the gym is a handful for anybody in the world uh, in, in his weight class. I think in competition, I think he's dealt with some struggles, I think, mentally of, of being able to, again, release that tension. And then now you encounter this, uh, you know, this losing streak. It makes it that much more difficult. But hopefully, you know, fighting in Lincoln, Nebraska, um, I think will, will kind of help bring a lot of positivity and help kind of release a lot of that pressure. Uh, that he might be used to in, the, in his last few fights. So uh, Jake is a great guy, and, and I think if he goes out there and shows the kind of skills uh, that he possesses, he could absolutely beat a guy like Brian Barberena. Well, and that's why I wanted to, to read that Daryush post because I, I trust Benny. He's not throwing out right. compliments left and right, and I feel like he really sees something in Jake Ellenberger, and perhaps the, the, the gamblers will as well. It was interesting. See, Jake knew that William Hill had him up to plus 425, so... A hundred American dollars on Jake Ellenberger would return you four twenty-five, actually five twenty-five to get your money back. So very interesting to see how pronounced that fight was. Certainly a lot more high-level experience for Jake Ellenberger. I mean, he's fought everybody on this list that you could possibly imagine: Roy McDonald, Robbie Lawler, everybody else, Carlos Condit in his UFC debut. Um, but Brian Barberina. Uh, the, the at least recent results have been better. All right, well that is one of six fights on the main card this weekend: UFC Fight Night, Gaethje versus Vic. Let's make some picks. Let us get to the main event challenge. It's the main event challenge. Anik. The time is most definitely now. Florian. I finished fights. I'm going to do everything possible to win. The main event challenge. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. I do wonder how many fighters know the betting odds on their fights. You know, I know we would talk about a little bit, Kenny, back yeah. in the day on MMA Live when, when you were fighting BJ Penn or whatever. Um, I got to look up what that price was, Ken Flo, BJ <laughs> Penn, back in 2009. But I got to get to this fight card this weekend. First, though, we update the standings. 92-84 was Oof. the lead for Team Attic. That was going into UFC 227 back on August 4th. So it had tightened up to eight. Remember, we had my man, Man Preet, MMA Lock of the Night on Twitter, yes. MMA L-O-T-N. He had TJ Dillashaw. He had him by knockout. That was the difference. Four to two. Oh. MMA lock of the night wins the week. 96-86. Back to double digits for the good guys. And speaking of good guys, joining us to make picks today, we are going to international waters. This listener's name is Giovanni Romagnoli. Gio, my man. Good to have you with us today, sir. Hi, guys. Can you hear me? Yes. Gio, you sound great, my friend. Oh, thank you. It's, it's awesome to be here. Thank you so much. Where are you joining us from today, sir? Uh, I'm nearby Leeds in England. And, uh, yeah, the weather is surprisingly good for, for, for the place. Ah. You know? Gotta love it. The Englishman always leading with the weather. Well, we won't take too much of your time, but we appreciate your listenership and certainly you hopping on to try to challenge 
former three-time UFC world title challenger, Kenny Kenflo Florian. First fight, third fight down on the main card. We spent a lot of time on it. Brian Barberina, minus 500. Jake Ellenberger, plus 375. The wrinkle in this matchup, Kenny talked about it. So Barberina fought Jake's twin brother, Joe, in what was Barberina's UFC debut back in 2014, beat him. Uh, Barberina out of the MMA lab. He's a finisher, nine wins by knockout. He's the prohibitive favorite here, Gio. Who do you like in this one on the main card, Barberina or Jake Ellenberg? Well, in this fight, I'll pick Barberina. Uh, the reason is that uh, Ellenberg took a lot of damage in his last fights, while Barberina seems the you know younger, uh, patient. He has good experience in the ring, and uh, he took also one year and a half, and I hope that he improved uh, some part of his game. Yeah, Ken Flo, Vegas always seems to know, right? Or most of the time they do. So at least on paper, Brian Barberina is supposed to win this fight this weekend. Yeah, and listen, uh, he's absolutely the favorite. But I need points, man. I'm going with the juggernaut. I think Ellenberger surprises everybody and uh, and gets the win. How's that? And you would get four points in our scoring system Pow. if he does just that. Good stuff. All right, next up, featured bout here mm-hmm. at 115 pounds. Angela Hill minus 145. Courtney Casey plus 115. So Hill comes in. She's won two of three. Outpointed Marina Burroughs her last time out. That was in February. Last four have gone the distance, six of her last seven overall. On the other side, you have Courtney Casey. She has fought a ton of top competition, as Hill has, but Casey has dropped two in a row on paper, split decision losses to Felice Herrig and the karate hottie Michelle Watterson. Giovanni, who do you like here, Angela Hill or Courtney Castiron Casey? Yeah, I'm picking Casey here, picking the underdog. Uh, Angela Hill, she's a very fast, aggressive kickboxer. But uh, Casey seems very strong. She's a veteran. She has solid grappling and ground game. So I think if she can scares, she she can sorry she can force some takedowns, she might win the decision. Kenny, I would think Courtney Casey would try to lean on the takedowns and the grappling against Angela Hill, who is certainly rounding into a, a fine mixed martial artist in her own right. Yeah, and she is favored to get the job done here. Hill versus Casey. Which side do you fall on? You know, I think that the odds makers are, are probably looking at the results uh, here, looking at the records, past results, as opposed to the skills and the matchup here. I don't love this matchup for Angela Hill. I, I agree with Gio. I think Courtney Casey, uh, with her takedown game, is going to pose a lot of problems for Angela Hill. She's going to be taller. She's going to be bigger. She's going to be stronger. Uh, I think Courtney Casey's uh, physicality will get it done here by decision. All right, co-main event, the second appearance at featherweight for the longtime lightweight contender Michael Johnson, favored to get the job done here. He is at a minus 150 clip against Andre Feely. Feely at plus 120, slight underdog here. Gio, who do you like in the co-main event, Michael Johnson or Andre Feely? Yeah, this is a difficult one. I'm going with the underdog again here. Uh, Michael Johnson is a very aggressive fighter, uh, but Andre Feely is, uh, again, the younger uh, athlete between the two. He has uh, good takedowns, and uh, he has fought some of the greatest names in the division. So he has lots of experience. Also, he relies on counterattacks a lot. So I think uh, Andre Feely might make it. Gio sounds like he's got a pretty trained eye can flow. Yes. I want to give you some numbers on Michael Johnson. 9-9 <laughs> nine and nine for MJ Kenny in the UFC. He's dropped five of his last six overall, three straight to Darren Elkins, Justin Gaethje, and Khabib Nurmagomedov. That was preceded by what was a first-round knockout of Dustin Poirier in a main event, Hidalgo, Texas, September of 2016. When he's on, Kenny, there's no doubt that Michael Johnson can be a threat. Still, 
Some unknowns here at 145 pounds. Andre Feely trying to keep going what is the first winning streak of his UFC career. It was alternated wins and losses for him through his first nine. I like this co-main event. Michael Johnson, Andre Feely, Flo, who wins it? I do as well. Listen, I think that uh, Gio made a lot of good points here. I think Andre Feely has been a very good counter-striker as as of late, and he's also shown really good footwork and and intelligence and how he approaches the fight. I was kind of waiting to see what Gio was going to say here uh, because this is a close one, and I kind of wanted to go the opposite way here. I'm concerned yeah. also with the weight cut here. Uh, this is Michael Johnson's first fight at 145. Is that correct? Second. Oh, it's second. Who, who did but he fight his last one? Darren Elkins, and, and he in terms of the weight, he looked great, but I still think, to your point, to just dismiss it as a factor would be ignorant. So Yeah, it's tough, man. It's tough making that weight when you're used to fighting 55. Not that he was the biggest 55-er. But uh, as far as hands goes, wh- whether it's at 145 or 155, Michael Johnson has some of the fastest oh. hands in the game. I will never forget his performance in Brazil against Edson Barbosa. He was just phenomenal, and the pressure that he put on him uh, and the intelligence that he showed in that fight and how he pressured. Um, I'm just going to go the opposite way here as Gio. This is a close one. This really could go either way. I could see either fighter winning this one. I- I'll go with Michael Johnson here. He really needs this win. And in talking to Johnson at least six weeks or so ago, he doesn't feel like the weight is going to be an issue. You know, he feels like his body composition is such that he handled it once and he'll handle it again. I still think, you know, I look at him, I see a lightweight. So for me, I still think it's the fight before the fight. But we'll see Mm -hmm. how it goes uh, for Michael Johnson in the co-main event slot against Andre Feely. All right, main event. This one will keep me up on the Eastern Standard Time Zone, I can assure you. For our man Gio in England, I know he's always watching these fights in the middle of the night, but... This main event got heat on it. James Vick, minus 160, the favorite. Justin Gaethje, the plus 130 underdog. Uh, this is the headliner in Nebraska, Giovanni, so we will need the method of victory in the round as well. Who do you like in Lincoln in the headliner, James Vick or Justin Gaethje? Okay, so Vick is taller, has better reach, and he's a boxer. So uh, in theory, some hints point to Vick, but I'm going with uh, Justin Gaethje. Uh, I think from this fight, we'll see him uh, change and adapt, maybe use more of his wrestling. So I'm saying Justin Gaethje, third round, uh, TKO by grounded pound. TKO, you said round three, Gio? Yes, round three. Round three TKO for Justin Gaethje. And I think prevailing wisdom, Ken Flo, is that this matchup would lend itself to some wrestling from Justin Gaethje for James Vick. 9-1 9-1 and one of the UFC. He's won four in a row. Of course, Gaethje has only been on the roster 13 months, right? I mean, he made his UFC debut last July against Michael Johnson, has dropped two since. I know he leads the league in bonus money. The question is, does he avoid a third straight loss here, Flo? And if so, we'll need to know exactly how he gets it done. Now, Gio's trying to use common sense to explain what Gaethje's going <laughs> to do, but uh, there's not a whole lot of common sense to what Gaethje does. That's the only problem. I think Justin Gaethje should be wrestling. He should be taking people down. He should be using his grounded pound. I don't know at this point in his career if he's going to use that against James Vick. I, I don't know. He should, absolutely, I agree, but I don't know if we're going to see that. I think if Gaethje is going to approach this fight, I think he's gonna, still going to try to knock out James Vick. Um, and I think he can. I think there were some scary moments uh, for me uh, when Trinaldo was facing James Vick. And Trinaldo, um, he's has good hands, but I think Gaethje has better hands um, when Gaethje is moving and slipping his head off the center line and he's a little bit more narrow and not so square. 
Um, he can get on the inside, and he can crack, boy. And I, and I definitely think he can get that win. We saw uh, Benil Daryush get the win over James Vick a few um, years back, and I think that James should be using his reach. He can use his reach. He can keep him on the outside. Um, he's going to have to be cleaner than he showed against Trinaldo, though, in my opinion. Gaethje is a little bit more slick with his boxing skills. Right. Um, however, uh, Gaethje also probably at this stage of his career doesn't have the same kind of chin as Trinaldo has. Gaethje has had some wars in his last few fights here in the UFC. He's had wars really his whole career, uh, but particularly in the UFC cool. against high-level guys, guys who really can crack, and that doesn't bode well. Gaethje's had a, a relatively quick turnaround here. Um, James Vick, he can hit hard. You know, I think his right hand is, is a big-time problem. Um, I'll go the other way here. I'll, I'll take James Vick. I think Vick gets it done. And you got a round or a method of victory, or would you like to leave those points on the table, which is fine. Yeah, let's do. let's go let's go round three, TKO James Vick. Round three TKO for James Vick. All right, my man Giovanni, thank you for stepping up today and making picks, and, and we hope you beat the flow this weekend. Thanks for listening to the show, man. We appreciate you very much. Thank you so much, guys. All right, Giovanni joining us from England there to make picks part of the main event challenge that Team Anna continues to lead here. Uh, one other thing, Ken Flo, on the way out today, and it's a little bit of a somber note. I don't know if you saw the story involving Desmond Green, UFC lightweight, uh, who was involved in a five-car accident, I believe it was, down here in South Florida, in Davie, Florida. Uh, Desmond suffered minor injuries, reportedly. Um, two people were, were killed in this car accident, and... I don't know many more details than that. I mean, yeah. there is this indelible image of Desmond Green sitting on the side of the highway with sort of head and hands or just. And, you know, this is a guy who dropped his son off to kindergarten a few days ago for his first day of kindergarten here, Broward County here in, in, in South Florida. And, you know, this is his new reality. You know, we don't know a lot of the details, but my heart goes out to Desmond Green. And I turn to my wife. I said, you know, this could happen to anybody. And, you know. It's just, uh, you know, it, welcome to your your new life is a very harsh reality for someone. And I just, uh, I just wanted Desmond to know that we were thinking about him, and hopefully there's a, a way out the other side for him when this settles. Yeah, a absolutely, man. Uh, th this was an awful situation. I did see it uh, because of your tweet, and um, it's awful all the way around. You know, for for the families of. Um, you know, I think it was two uh, older women who lost their lives. Uh, it's terrible for those families and even the others who are injured. And um, it, I, again, we don't know a whole lot of details of what happened, how it happened. Uh, but for Desmond, uh, you know, current UFC fighter who's involved in this, that's got to be that's going to be extremely difficult, man, uh, to deal with this. But, um, you know, I, I hope that he's able to, um, you know, move move past this and, and find some strength from this and and learn from this and um hope that he's a you know really learns from this situation it, it's it's awful um and again you know who knows what happened it seemed like maybe someone hit him as well and then he might have hit another car so i, I don't know how much control he actually had over this that that's right. just what i sure the the, the brief right. article that i read so um, it's hard to make sense out of things like this. And, and um, yeah, I, I hope I hope that he's able to move past this, man. All right, well, that is going to do it for this week. Thanks for sticking with us. No more weeks off the rest of the way. No, I can't say that. 
necessarily. But I think we're live, actually, the rest of the year except for one cool. week. So thanks for bearing with us, Ken Flo. I know you've been burning it at all ends, kids, even hitting those mats at May Rocky Beach Age. How do you fit that in? Right? Like, when I can find an excuse to skip jujitsu. And you had every excuse right. imaginable. You're still on those beautiful gray that, bats, man. Rocky BJJ. That's what that's what keeps me sane, man. That's what keeps me sane, teaching and, and training. And uh, I appreciate it, man. It's good. It's good to be back with you. And uh, I'll see you next week. And this, I gotta close that gap, man. I'm gonna close this gap this yeah. week. I have a feeling. Well, may you know what? Maybe I mean, if I lose the main event challenge, maybe I'll get like the May Rocky BJJ logo tattooed on my other forearm. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not willing to make that commitment. We today. just got new shirts. I got to send you a new Meraki Brazilian Jiu Jitsu shirt as well. Dude, I mean, the logo is so tight that I would actually consider putting it on my body for the rest of my life. There we go. We'll, see. we'll have it. to see. All right. It. Thanks to uh, Jake Ellenberger, Ray Longo, our guest picker there, Giovanni. Thank you to everybody. Fox Sports production wise, Danny and John Hill, Ben with Sorokchenko, and everybody else. Mr. Williams, not forgetting you. You can watch UFC Fight Night, by the way, this Saturday on FS1. Justin Gaethje, James Vick, how good is that? Flo, you got that studio this weekend or what, kid? I am. I'll be in studio oh. this weekend. And, uh, yeah, we're back back on UFC tonight. I think I'm with Michael Bisping this week. And then I don't know who I'm at the desk with uh, this weekend. It was supposed to be Cormier, but he's busy doing something. But, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be at the desk. I'll be working. Keep printing that paper, Ken Flo. Right. <laughs> Ken Flo, I'm John Anik. Thank you all for listening. Have a great week. Don't text and drive. We will talk to you in less than six days. Until then, you'll later. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Sports betting is sweeping across the country faster than the coronavirus, and wagering week is your antidote. I'm Tom Martin, and I'm a veteran sports analyst and respected sports handicapper who helped build ESPN's brand. I've been recognized and awarded by Pro Football Weekly and Gaming Today magazine as the honest handicapper. Let the other guys give you the same old boring sports talk with the same tired storylines. We'll give it to you straight here every Friday on Wagering Week. Don't gamble with other podcasts. Let Sports Garden Network's Wagering Week help your bottom line. Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live.